High Noon. This is News Talk. saying that tackling and scrums should be banned in school to protect children from the risk of concussion and later brain damage having played rugby. And I'm joined by one of these academics now, Alison Pollock, and she's the director at the Institute of Health and, so- Health and Society at Newcastle University to talk to me about how dangerous or otherwise rugby actually is. Alison, you're very welcome to the programme. Hello. Can you can you tell us a little bit about this research that talks about the risks of concussion and brain damage and yeah. neurodegenerative disease and all that kind of stuff? Well, we've looked at all the studies worldwide, including the studies on school children, and put together a comprehensive synthesis. And what we find is that, you know, rugby union is right up there in terms of having one of the highest rates and risks of concussion. And to put this into perspective, um, rugby injuries are, are, are a very, it's a very high risk game, even in school children. And the average school child has a one in eight risk of having an injury in a season. And these injuries aren't trivial. They include fractures, spinal injuries, ligamentous tears, dislocated shoulders, and of course, concussion. And concussions going right up there, uh, almost topping the league table in terms of injuries. Um, And the problem is that most of these injuries are occurring during the collision phase of the game. So most injuries occur and most concussions occur during the tackle. Three quarters of all the concussions are occurring during the tackle. So it makes sense if collision is where all the injuries are occurring is to take the collisions out. So that means removing the tackle, the scrum, the rock and the mole. So you change the laws of the game and the school game, but actually that game has already been played. It's known as touch rugby. And touch rugby is fast. It's very enjoyable. Children get their physical activity. They have their teamwork. And they have all the fun of the game without having all the harmful elements. And we're now saying, with the government about to roll out rugby to a million children across the UK, we cannot afford to have nearly a quarter of a million injuries a year and all these children hurt. So we must, must, must now start to act and remove the collision part of the game but leave the enjoyable bit, the touch that, uh, touch rugby. Yeah, we, we call it tag rugby here. But but t- so you are saying, are you saying for all of the game or just for kids that we need to for to school remove? children? So okay. anybody who is at school, of course, if kids and their parents are really passionate about rugby and they want their child to play, there are the clubs outside of school. But the reason why we're saying schools is that the government is a signatory uh, to the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, so they have a duty to protect and uh, children from injuries and to promote their well-being. And they have a special duty of care in uh, in schools. So they cannot enact the duty of care when a third party like World Rugby is deciding the laws of the game and putting in harmful collision elements. Okay. And are you, are you meeting with much support or resistance around these proposals? Well, it's a very mixed bag, as you can imagine, because rugby is an establishment game. It has the support of the royal family. It's a corporate game. It's really big business. So it's like taking on the tobacco industry and they fund their own research. There's no uh, research for independent money for independent research. So they fund the research. They decide what's done. They control the game. Um, And so, of course, and they're growing a big fan base and a big support base. So, of course, it's very difficult to have a rational discussion 
when there are so many conflicts of interest. But I think it would be possible if we just kept putting the child at the center rather than the interests of the corporate game. And if we continue to put the child at the center saying, do no harm, then of course, it's uh, it does it, it makes sense to remove all the harmful collision elements. Let, let, let's put Alice and the child at the centre of this conversation. What is the comparative risk? Like if, if a kid is playing rugby and full blown rugby, not touch rugby or tag rugby, as opposed to they're they're you know playing soccer or they're they're doing other forms of of, of team sports. What kind of relative risk? Is there how much worse than those other sports is? Well, it's very difficult to compare across studies, but we know from the few comparisons that we have that rugby is right up there as one of the high risk sports. There's no debate about that. Um, Now, what we do know is that, for instance, in ice ice hockey in Canada, they remove the body check, the contact element. And that actually saw a major reduction in concussion. So we do know that rule and law change can change things. But rugby is right up there with horse riding, eventing, um, and uh, other contact and collision sports. And indeed, we have to look at all sports now and think about the collision elements. Not just rugby. Uh, Football is beginning to think about it in terms of heading and repeat concussions. And we're seeing it also in hockey. So we're seeing this debate beginning to take place. And one of the big problems is that the corporate bodies have had too much control yeah. over the sports for a long time. I, I have seen a statistic, and you can tell me if this is right or wrong, that you are eight times more likely to be concussed playing rugby than you are to be playing American football. I don't know about that statistic, um, and I can't judge, but I can give another statistic, which is an Australian study, which showed that if you play rugby once every three weeks, you're 530 times more likely to be injured than if you're cycling for half an hour three times a week. Okay. So that that puts it in perspective. So this is a much more dangerous activity than the normal cycling that children do. When when you say it the way you've said it, right, it's a high-risk sport, you know, 500 times the chances of, of, of a significant head injury as if you were cycling and all that kind of stuff. So, so clearly the, the, the risks are identifiable. It should be a no-brainer, therefore, that we would cut back and we would say, OK, we're going to take out the, the, the collision, we're going to protect our yes. kids. That's that's an obvious conclusion, OK? It's the same as we would, yes. we put in airbags yes. into cars. There must be barriers to doing this or this would just be a shoe in Yes, I mean, there are things. enormous barriers. Yeah. These are the barriers that we face with um, smoking and the tobacco yes. industry. W- one of the huge yeah. One of the things I was going to ask you about, and you you, you touched on it earlier, is, is is it is a very middle class sport. It is the sport of the establishment, yeah. and and so the establishment is therefore pro rugby. But does that mm-hmm. mean? Do you think? And and will you? Are you willing to say that the establishment is willing to put young people at risk? just for the continuation of this game that they enjoy watching and maybe they played in their mm. youth when mm. it wasn't quite so physical, mm. I must point out as well, because it's become increasingly physical over time. Do we believe that that, that, that that the establishment is willing to put a generation of kids at risk rather than give up their enjoyment of, of maybe being spectators well, I think in the game? This is a very good question. We, we have. Um, uh, we've seen it with tobacco. We've seen it with alcohol. We've seen it with food. I mean, these are big corporate interests and we're taking on big corporate giants. And so I think it is really important that we think about it and reappraise it. And that's why I keep coming back to the child. If you put the child at the heart of it and you put their interests first, which is first do no harm, then we will have a much happier 
um, and safe and friendlier society for children to live in and play in. So do you think, Alison, that money is talking here, that the corporate sponsorship... Undoubtedly. ...that the World Undoubtedly. Cup and all that kind of stuff, the hype around that? You know, what, the important thing for World Rugby is growing its fan base. And, you know, the government in many ways is colluding with that, rolling out rugby to a million children across the UK. There's absolutely no doubt at all that the corporate interests have been putting put, uh, ahead of the child. And this just has to stop. It has to stop. We have to take a long, hard look at it. Games should be games. They should not be corporate sports. Uh, Alison, do you also think that there's a kind of an element of, of a machismo around this, that rugby is a very physical game? The guys who play it, particularly at adult yes. level and, and professional level, they're huge blokes. It, they're, it's a very manly yes. game, you know what I mean? Well, it's and, being rolled out to women as well. Oh, no, no, I'm aware of that. And yeah, we, we, we had yeah. the, the Women's Rugby World Cup here mm-hmm. recently in, in, in mm-hmm. Dublin. But, but what I'm asking is, do you think that because it is that kind of manly physicality sort of type of, of machismo, chismo yes. around the game that people are nearly reluctant to say let's make it a little bit less well I think on. you're right I think you're, I think it's all tied up not just with the establishment with culture with identity with bonding all is a very very complicated and there's a whole sociology of why people do what they do why they're prepared to you know expose themselves and their children to risks that they would never dream of doing in other settings, for example, hill walking or cycling or sailing or whatever. So um, I just think, uh, you know, we need a long, hard look at ourselves. As a society, we sometimes do terrible things to children and we don't think about it hard enough. Do you think, just on that note, do you think that allowing your child to play full contact rugby is doing something terrible to your child? Well, I wasn't aware. I mean, I'm a parent that allowed my child to play and then I, uh, my children to play because I actually was in a position of total ignorance. I'm in a rather unique position of having a lot of knowledge now. So I'm not ever going to blame children, uh, parents or children for the decisions that are made. That's not what I'm interested in. I think the responsibility sits with the government. Just last question for you, Alison. Would you let your children, knowing what you know now, and you've looked at all the stats and the concussion and the risks and all of that, and obviously no. there is touch rugby and tag yeah. rugby available too, knowing what you know now, would you now let your children play rugby? No, I would not. And I stopped my second one because I knew what was happening. Um, I was happy with touch rugby, but not at all happy with the collision and contact elements of the game. I wouldn't now, knowing what I know now. Okay. But it's taken me a long journey. Okay. And my thanks there, that was Alison Pollock, uh, Director of the Institute of Health and Society at Newcastle University on the risks of children playing full contact rugby.